Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. This is a really special episode for me because we have someone who I'm a huge fan of and have loved their writing for a while, author Mark Manson. Hey, hey. Hey, Mark. How's it going? It's good. It's good to be here. So let's talk about this last name for a second. Are you related to uh, (laughs) any uh, sketchy Mansons? You know, it's funny. When I was growing up, people used to ask people in my family that. They used to ask me that when I was a kid. I'd go to like summer camp Mm -hmm. and they'd ask me that. And I learned at a pretty young age that if you didn't answer them, it would make them get really awkward. So. I'd be like eight years old and a camp counselor would be like, are you related to Uh Charles Manson? And I'd be like, I'm not allowed to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) And they would freak out. But no, I'm not related to to him. Yeah, I guess it's a common last name. It is. And actually, I ended up reading a a biography about him. It's not his, his biological father wasn't. It's not his real last name. Yeah. Okay. the, The man who raised him. His last name was Manson. I see. So yeah. maybe that was a, a good guy, that Manson. Oh, well, obviously. He, yeah. He raised the serial killer. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all about nature versus nurture, you know. Uh, it's true. It's true. So, Mark, how old are you and where are you from? Oh, I just turned 35. Uh, I grew up in Austin, Texas. Okay. And now I live here in New York. Awesome. And yeah. what's your current relationship status? I'm married. Nice. Married for two and a half years now. Awesome. Together for seven. How did you guys meet? At a nightclub mm-hmm. at 3 a.m. in Brazil. Oh, wow. See, that's where they say like, <laughs> you won't meet that person. Yeah. You know? You remember, I think it was like a Rihanna song that we found love in, in a, a hopeless, hopeless place. place. Yeah, exactly. yeah, we used to say that that was our song. What were you both doing there? Is she Brazilian? Yeah, she's Brazilian. Mm-hmm. And I was just being a drunk American. Mm. And um, it was funny, actually, because when I initially met her, she shot me down. So this is the funny thing about Brazil is that the the party really doesn't start until like 1230. Right. And so me being a naive American, I showed up, you know, at 10 because that's what you do, you know, and I was like one of four people in the entire club for the next two hours. So me and my buddy, you know, we just started drinking as Americans do. And, um, and then she was one of the first, first women who walked in and we just had this eye contact and I'm like, all right, well, here we go. Right. And I walked up and started talking to her and she was just like, one word answers, kind of blowing me off. And so I was like, all right, have a nice night. Right. So then how did you so get her? It's funny because, so my a little bit of my background, I yeah. used to teach 
dating relationship stuff, primarily to men at first, but then men and women. Yeah. And one of the things I used to always tell guys is I was like, if she's not like engaged, like it shouldn't be a fight. You right. know, if you if you're start if you're talking to a woman and she's kind of like, eh, sure, yeah, you know, it's like don't fight it. Just right. move on. You right. know, go find somebody who is excited to talk to you. So that that was always my philosophy. And, and the, the irony with that is that as, as soon as you're like, hey, I can see that you don't really want to talk. So have a nice night. Mm-hmm. Uh, it instantly makes you like that more, much more respectable and attractive <laughs> in their right. eyes. So in Brazil, the men are like super aggressive and they never give up. And uh, and so as soon as I was like, hey, I can see you're, you're like not interested. So right. have a good night. She was like, wow, that was like, really nice of him right and uh and then so throughout the night she kept getting hit on by you know creepers and dirt bags and she was like shit what happened to that american guy and then sure enough a few hours later literally bumped into her on the dance floor and she was like hey uh-huh. <laughs> and i'm like okay now it's on <laughs> yeah i love that i want to hear more of your story but you mentioned that you used to be like kind of a dating yeah was it a dating coach yeah, sort of. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. I, I always I feel weird about it because I feel like it's a strange thing to coach. Right. You know, back in like 08, 09, I, I started a number of online businesses and one of them was dating advice. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the one, because I was a single like 25-year-old or whatever, that right. was the one that I put most of my effort into. Right. And that was the one that started to take to take off mm-hmm. and make make a decent amount of money. So... Um, yeah, really early on, I would get with people on the phone, sometimes meet with them in person, sometimes even like go to a bar with them. Well, what What was it like inside of you that was like, I have, you know, the ability to be like a dating coach of sorts or, you know what I mean? Like what? Nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the the dating advice world is very strange in that like I was dating a lot of women right. and I was partying a lot. Mm-hmm. And so other guys would see that and they'd be like, well, shit, he must know something I don't. Right. But not necessarily, <laughs> you know, it's um, it, it just because it, it's hard to like conceptualize a lot of what makes somebody like good at dating. Right. So at, at first it was, it was literally like I was 25, mm-hmm. I was broke and I was partying all the time and dating a bunch of girls. So, right guys start coming up to me and they're like, hey man, I'll pay like, you. what's your secret? Yeah, yeah, I'll pay you to like come hang out with me. Which sounds like a... Very desperate thing to say. <laughs> well, when you're in my position, it sounds right. like a dream. You're like, wait, yeah. you're going to pay me to like right. go do what I do anyway? Right, right. It's like, it's kind of like Hitch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But you quickly realize that it's not... It gets weird pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And not to, not to say that the the clients were weird. I mean, some of them were, but right. so, some of them were actually like really cool people. Right. It just gets strange because to teach social skills or emotional skills, right. you have to like objectify relationships. And so what used to be like just going out on a Friday night and talking to some cute girls, now it's my job. And now right. it's like if I get if I get shut down by a girl, like now that's like a 
professional liability. Right, right. <laughs> you know? yeah. And like that, like that For is, sure. So it just it I don't know. It may it made it all feel awful. So I, I tried to after a year, I did it for like a year or two and then I kind of backed off and I would do kind of like just phone or conversational stuff. Right. Because what I realized too is that most most people who struggle with dating, it's it's an extension of like their kind of emotional or self-esteem issues. For sure, yeah. And but, so, yeah. so I did that for a few years. Mm-hmm. But what were you doing professionally at the time that like enabled oh, you to take… nothing. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like you were unemployed or you were writing? Uh, I was writing. So to back up even a little bit further, mm-hmm. I graduated in 07. Okay. So worst job market in 85 years. Yeah. So I was living on a friend's couch essentially. And um, I had a couple friends who were, they had like some small online businesses. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've you've ever heard of like Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Workweek. Yeah, I have. So they introduced me to that. And and I was like, well, hell, I can't get a job right. or anything that pays anything. You know, I had like part-time jobs and stuff. Right. But I was like, all right, I'll make websites and see what see what happens. And and it was the dating thing was the first thing that kind of stuck. Because mm-hmm. the whole, especially on the men's side, the, the whole pickup artist thing was like peak around that time. Right. So there was just tons and tons of men online looking for like just really basic dating advice. Right. And so yeah, it, it was a it was a good time to jump into that market. Right, and this was before dating apps. Yep. I mean, there were dating websites, but no one really yeah. went on those. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, guys had like less access to girls. Yes. At the same like also. Right? Oh, yeah, you had to actually like physically go meet them. Right. So you needed the help of exactly. a artist. So I mean, the most common thing that guys would come to me with is like how do I talk to a girl? Right. Like I, there's this beautiful woman at work that I like, or there's this, there's a restaurant I go to and right, one, right. you know, the bartender is gorgeous. You know, like how do I talk to her? Right. And it's like, and it's funny because it's, I've always found those questions kind of silly because it's, how do you talk to a person? Well, you just like walk up and <laughs> yeah, you say like, hi, yeah. my name is. What they're really asking is, I'm scared, I'm anxious, and I don't know how to, deal with that anxiety. Right. So help me deal with it. So that's really what it is. And mm-hmm. I think what a lot of the guys were doing at the time, like all the pickup artist stuff, it was, here's a line. Here's like a cute thing you can say. Right. But then it's like you're fucked after you say the thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you got to learn more lines. Right. And it just becomes this like, this treadmill, you know, it's like, how, how long can you fake it until she finds out? Right, you right. like have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> exactly. So that's what you wrote your first book about, right? Yeah, I wrote. So I self-published a book for men in 2011. Mm-hmm. And it was very much at the time it was like kind of, I saw it as the antidote right. for the pickup artist. Stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey guys, you can fake it for a day. You can fake it for a week, but like you're not eventually you got to get your shit together. Right. Like this, these are emotional problems you're dealing with. And so we need to learn how to be like emotionally mature men, develop a little bit of confidence and, and that's it essentially. Right. Mm-hmm. And how old were you when you met your now wife? Uh, 28. Okay. I want to say. So would you say before turning 28, you uh-huh. were not even like ready to even kind of look um, for something serious? I was 
looking when I met her, I was looking for a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I knew that I had been single for a good three or four years mm-hmm. and had had a lot of fun, but it was you know it gets old right eventually you want somebody around so yeah yeah and is she your age she's actually two and a half years older okay yeah and i don't know how into astrology you are but (laughs) i we're very into it on the podcast so i actually looked you up and you're a pisces and your wife is uh or you can just say her birthday and i'll tell you june 13 oh she's a gemini she's a very very smart woman yeah she is and you met her and you connected that night. Yes. How much longer was your stay in Brazil after that? About two months. I extended a little bit, but about two months. Okay. And so like you're in Brazil, mm-hmm. you're continuing to pursue her. Are you alone in Brazil? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what inspired you to do that? If that sounds out of your comfort zone. Not that I know <laughs> what that is. I had a period. So once I got an online business up and going, yeah, you could work from anywhere. Right. And, um, you know, I'm single, 24, 25. So I I decided, you know, if I can work from anywhere, I want to travel the world. So I was, I was in the midst of traveling around the world for a couple of years and I would kind of just bounce around. And then when I really liked the place, I would stay there Mm -hmm. for as long as my visa would allow. Got it. So in Brazil, you can stay for three months. Mm -hmm. So I ended up staying there for, for the full three which mean, meant I dated her for two. And then I had to leave for six months before I could come back. So, And how did you leave it with this woman? Well, again, my whole thing is just brutal honesty. Mm-hmm. So I told her, I said, like, I'm really, I'm crazy about you. But, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't live here. And I don't know, like, I have no idea how this is ever going to work. Right. So I, I kind of left it with, Let's stay in touch and just see see what happens. Right. And so I went to, I actually went to Columbia after that. And then about a month later, she she used her vacation days. Uh, so like she took a vacation to come visit me. Mm-hmm. And then I think like two or three months after that, uh, she and I took a vacation together, I think to like Argentina mm-hmm. and spent a few days there. So we were still keeping in touch and still like seeing each other. And then I think it was, that second trip, it was like, you know, it's a month and a half before I can go back to Brazil and then I can live there for, the visa thing is weird, but I could live there for about nine months. Okay. It's like, okay, so I can come back. I can like do almost the whole year there, but we need a plan of like what we're going to do after that. Right. And so she said, she's like, I can, I've got money saved up. I can quit my job. We can go somewhere else. And um, so I went back, I did a year there and then she quit her job and then, we traveled around together. We came to the U.S. for a while, and mm-hmm. then we went back to Brazil for a while. So we were just bouncing around for right. years, and then and then eventually we got engaged. So and after how long, how much time spent together? Got engaged twenty fifteen, three and a half years. Okay, I was a little slow mm-hmm. to pull the trigger on that. That doesn't sound slow. Three and a half. Three and a half years. Well, I guess because she's older, it's yeah. annoying. Definitely. <laughs> But she was definitely ready right. before I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and did you? It's kind of like an intrusive question, so don't go for Don't it. answer if you don't feel comfortable. But are you guys planning to have children? Yeah, we're actually we're in the process of trying. Love right it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 
so now you're, are you here permanently or you could still you, you go wherever you, you never know? So we are here permanently. She's, mm-hmm. she's got a green card. You know, we've got a place here. So yeah. that's great. New York's home. So I want to talk to you about one of my favorite articles ever or piece. What do I call? What do I call? Call it an article. An, okay. Yeah. Well, it was like republished as an article in a lot of different places, but the fuck yes, yes or no. Yes. So how did you come up with this? idea and can you explain it to our listeners for people who haven't read it which sure. I'll be sharing it with this episode so it's it's actually funny where it comes from it actually came from a business context I've got a friend uh, named Derek Sivers who's I guess kind of kind of a big deal in the startup world he's had a couple like very successful startup businesses he actually I forget where it was but it was, he was doing a talk somewhere and somebody asked him a question about, you know, business opportunities or wh- how do you decide what to invest in and blah, right. blah, blah. And he said, oh, it's really simple. I have a rule. It's hell yeah or no. It's like, if it's not an immediate hell yeah, then it's just, I don't, I don't agonize over it. I right. say no. I was like, wow, that's really cool. I like that. Right. And then it was funny because I, I think I was still doing client calls at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I end up, I keep ending up on the phone with people with like dating and relationship problems. And they're like, well, you know, sometimes he texts back and other times he doesn't. And, but I don't really know if I'm like, and I'm like, look, it's either, it's either a hell yes or it's a no, right. you know? And I started like giving the advice to them and they're like, wow, I never thought of it that way. Well, so in that context, it would be hell yes for the other person. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. But mm-hmm. it, it's like, if you're ambivalent, right. you know, um, if there's any sort of like ambiguity or mm-hmm. like, wow, I don't know if it's worth it to like, I'd have to like leave my job and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, anything like that. It's like, it should be a fuck yes. And so eventually I, I wrote it up on the blog. Mm-hmm. And, and it was funny because I just transitioned my site. I used to write predominantly for men. And then I started getting a lot of female readers. And I just transitioned my site, like got rid of all the male related branding, like made everything gender neutral. Uh, and then that was one of the first articles I wrote. And holy shit, it went everywhere. Yeah. Like it went everywhere. Everywhere. What year was that? 2013. And it's, it. I mean, it still goes everywhere, but it, yeah. it's particularly women. It's been resent to me like ev- like once a year since yeah. from someone that's like, you need to read this. And I'm like, I fucking read this. Like, <laughs> obviously I fucking read this. Like, but it's, it's so great. And yeah. It's really helped me in my dating yeah. life too. Yeah. It's just, and career. Yeah. For sure. It's, it's a great mentality to have. It's amazing how much stuff it applies to. Yeah. Um, like we, even, like we moved recently, my wife and I. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there and we're like, you know, well, what do you think about that place? Blah, blah, blah. And, and like, well, it's not a fuck yes. So right. I guess it's a no. Like right. it's crazy. Like furniture. Everything. Uh, trips, booking trips, like if it's not a fuck yes, it's a no. Well, actually, it's funny you say that because I am like getting new furniture. I'm knocking down the wall in this apartment and like changing a few things. And I was looking at a couch and I loved it. Yeah. And I have a friend who has it. And I remember, you know, sitting on her couch, loving it. So I got it. And my boyfriend was like, babe, like you have to sit on a couch. Like you have to do it in person before. But like for me, that was my fuck yes. I was like, no, I really, I knew immediately I wanted this couch. So it's almost like I don't want anyone to argue with me when it's like a fuck yes situation. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. But yeah, I, I think 
it's such a it's turned into such an elegant so for people who who haven't read it basically there's two rules of fuck yes or no to proceed with a relationship you need to feel fuck yes or else it's a no right also to proceed in the relationship they need to be fuck yes Mm -hmm. or else it's a no so and one thing i've had to kind of differentiate just through a lot of people emailing me is that I think there are a couple different levels. So right. there's like a physical fuck yes or no. And then there's like an emotional fuck yes or no. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then there's like a commitment level fuck yes. So you can be physically fuck yes for each other, but not emotionally or not commitment mm-hmm. fuck yes. And so ultimately for any relationship to work on any level, both sides need to feel fuck yes about it. Right. Uh, and, the, and the beauty of it is that it solves consent issues. It solves, you know, stuff like ghosting or mm-hmm. being flaked on. Um, Someone it, being on and off, like hot yeah. and cold. It solves like people who are always, you know, one thing I hear a lot is, is like, well, they're perfect on paper, but the, the chemistry is not there. You think the chemistry will be there one day? And it's like, no. Yeah. It's, if it's not a fuck yes, yeah. it's a no, you right. know? So, it's it's just such like an incredible tool that can be used in so many different ways and and i think the i never lived through the age of tinder but i think that the biggest problem i hear about dating these days is essentially like filtering you know yeah. like it's just you have so many options all the time you talk to so many people all the time that I think the most important thing is just being able to like filter all the bullshit out right. and and get like be kind of merciless with your standards. Right. You know, it's like yeah. if this if this guy doesn't get back to you, that's that. Fuck him. Yeah. Like, exactly. Seriously. Do you think there are any exceptions to the fuck yes or no rule? And like an example would be like I have a friend mm-hmm. and she went out on a date with another friend of mine. She was like, you know, I didn't feel sparks. Sure. And I was like, okay, well, like, go on a second date. You never know. And now she's like, so fuck yes about him. Yeah, yeah. And they're moving in together, you know. And like you said, your your wife like was like hesitant in the first time you approached her. Sure. Like, in that, those are those exceptions. I think just because something's a no now doesn't mean it's always a no. Mm-hmm. Same way, just because something's a fuck yes now, it's not always a fuck yes. So, I think usually what I tell people is that you know, you can be fuck yes about seeing where things are going. Right. You know, it, it's like, it's like, okay, it doesn't feel great now, but there's potential. So I'm willing to like give it a couple weeks and see what happens. Right. So I, I don't think it's not like a permanent decision. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think it's just, you have to be willing to live with either side. Like right. it, it's like, if it does swing to the no side, you know, you have to be comfortable with that. Right. And it, and it's, I think, where people get too attached or too anxious about it, where they're, they get stuck in that gray area in the middle. Right. Um, which is just, that makes everybody miserable. So Agreed. Gray areas are the worst. Yes. So I would love to talk about the other, I think your, your second book, The Subtle Art yep. of Not Giving a Fuck. Yes. So wildly, wildly successful. Yeah. I see people reading it all the time and it's like funny. It's it's like it's like a grandma reading it. You know what I mean? Like it's always someone different and I'm like, "Wow, you're hysterical." 
But what's the gist in your words of that book? So the the subtle art of not giving a fuck, I I actually, a, a reader I think best described it. He said that the title is like a Trojan horse. It's people see the cover of the book and they laugh and they're like, oh man, I wish I didn't give a fuck. And then they buy it. And you get like two chapters in and you realize like, oh shit, it's like a very deep book about your values and what you're choosing to find important in your life. (laughs) Because essentially that is what giving a fuck is, is like, what are you choosing to find important in your life? And whatever you're choosing to find important, that is what is going to going to determine your problems in Mm -hmm. your life. If you've got a bunch of problems that you don't want or that are like causing you to suffer a lot, you're probably choosing the wrong things to find important. So yeah, I, I always I always joke around in, in interviews that I wanted to write a book about values, but nobody would buy a book yeah. about values. So <laughs> that's hilarious. And so what is the takeaway? Like if like what are the things that, for example, you want to focus on? Yeah. One thing I feel pretty strongly about, like being, I guess, in the self-help world, I've never really liked the the model of like, I'm Mr. Guru on stage and you pay me some money and I'll like tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. I, I've never, like one of the, the first thing you asked me, it's like, who are you? Like, how do you have this authority? And, right. and I, re- I really don't think I do. Mm-hmm. Like, so what makes, what I think is more ethical and makes me more comfortable is, is this idea of like, look, I don't have the answers, but let me help you ask better questions. Right. Um, let me help you. Like, I can't tell you what's right for you. I can't tell you what your values should be, but I can help you look for them, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I see that as the goal, essentially. Like, that's the purpose of the book. There's no, like, single message or, or major takeaway. It's more just reading the book is a process of having to reevaluate everything that you care about. Right. And why you do. Mm-hmm. And when you were giving advice, you know, back in the day to guys who yeah. who were out in the dating world, what's something that you said then that still rings true today? It's a good question. I, I think ultimately, and and I think this is this is widely applicable to to women too. I mean, I think ultimately dating advice, like navigating the dating world well and not letting it not suffering through it. I think it really comes down to respect. It respect for yourself first. That means standing up for yourself, respecting your desires and, and what you want, commun- being able to communicate that clearly, but also respect for each person that you meet. Mm-hmm. And I think people get so caught up in the emotional side of it. You know, it hurts to want to be with somebody and and they like they don't want to be with you like that hurts but by forcing yourself trying to insert yourself into their life is a form of disrespect the right. same way like not telling somebody that you're not interested and just like leaving them hanging for weeks and weeks on end like that is a form of disrespect right. so my thing is just always been blunt honesty both with yourself and with other people and just do it in a respectful way and it, I feel I feel like that 
if you if you nail that, it's like ninety percent of the other stuff right. takes care of itself. Yeah, you know, agreed. What would you say to a, a girl or a guy who's like, you know, I'm at this, I've been seeing someone for a few months or a few weeks, mm-hmm. whatever, and I'd like to define the relationship with them. I'd like to ask, like, what are we? And sure. I get this question a lot, and I'm always saying, do not ask something like that. Yeah. Um, but I wonder what your opinion on it is. I um, I don't like the define the relationship question simply because it brings a lot of like emotional baggage with it. Like it brings a lot of implications. And I know just, you know, as a guy who went through, who <laughs> went through that question many times in my mm-hmm. past, like it, it always felt like there was like guilt attached to it mm-hmm. of like, well, I've given you like two months of my time. So either you're my boyfriend or like, what the fuck? Right. Um, where it's, it didn't seem to acknowledge like where I was at. Or what what my interests were, or like what my vision for my life was. So, I what I generally recommend people do is just simply state where they're at, and then tell the other person like, it's okay, you know. Like so, if you really if you want to be in a committed relationship, if you've been dating somebody for a few months, instead of being like, what are we? Just say like, look, I really like you, and I I I'm interested in having a relationship. You know, I, I'd be interested in like have committing to each other. It's totally fine if you're not ready for that or not mm-hmm. interested in that. But just let me know. Right. And it's there's no pressure. There's no guilt tripping or implication. You know, it's just this is how I feel. Let me know how you feel. Right. The example I give, actually, my wife did it perfectly with the whole marriage thing. Marriage like scared the shit out of me. <laughs> for for many many years, yeah, and we were we were about like a year and a half into our relationship, and um, we went on this like beach vacation together, very romantic. We were having a great time, and um, late one night, she just casually mentioned, "She's like, look, you don't have to say anything. I don't need an answer. I just want you to know that I would marry you," and that was it. No discussion. And then it, it didn't no. come up again until you proposed? No. What? Two years went by. What a legend. <laughs> Dude, my wife's a badass. Yeah. <laughs> I want to meet her. I want her on the podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's great. But, but it was like, perfect. It, and it is perfect. But did she? I wonder, like, like, between us, did she even need to say that? Or would you have asked her anyway? Uh, That's a really good question. I definitely wouldn't have asked that. Like, had you thought about it before she said it? No, I mean, the idea of marriage made me so anxious. Right. Even her bringing that up, I remember I got super anxious. Right. And so the fact that there were no expectations attached, like she was just letting me know where she was. Right. Was like perfect because I didn't have to say anything. Yeah. And… I, you know, now that I think about it, I think I told, probably told her either then or some other, like, just like, you know, I love you, but I'm not there yet, mm-hmm. which she was fine with. But I think like that needs to happen at every level of commitment because yeah. it's just different people are ready to commit at different times. Yeah. P- some people's commitment timeline is like super fast. Yeah. Other people's is super slow. Mm-hmm. And like anything in a relationship, you're usually not going to be exactly the same. Yeah, so there's usually going to be one person who's ready to commit, like make each step, co- committed relationship, moving in together, first trip together, marriage, whatever. Like there's one person's probably going to be ahead of the other one 
every step of the way. Or it could switch off. It could. It could. But it's like, you're probably never going to be like exactly on the same page. For sure. So it's important to be able to bring up these topics in a very safe way. Yeah. My friend who came on this podcast, episode 23, Jared, he actually, instead of saying, what are we? Mm -hmm says, this is what you can expect from me and this is what I need from you. Yes. Which is which is perfect. I I love it. I I used to do something like that. So those few years when I was traveling around the world, I met a lot of like a lot of great women. It was I it would be totally unfair for me to like date them for a month. Right. And then just be like, all right. Next country, see you later. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's like just such an unfair thing to do. So every woman I met that I was, I really liked, I would tell them first date, first night together, whatever. Like, hey, I'm in this country for two months. I leave this date. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance I'll never come back. You know, if you're okay with that, like, let's keep seeing each other. If you're right. not, that's totally okay. Right. But just tell me now. Yeah. And I'd say about 50% were like, you know, hey, it was nice meeting you. I think that's really fair. I think that it's, and I see a lot of people pass through New York and like even when I yeah. was single and I was on the dating apps, like it was like here for for two weeks, like hit me up, like, yeah. <laughs> like just sex or whatever yeah. it was, you know? And I know people get really offended by that, but it's almost yeah. like, it's almost like the opposite of offensive. It's very honest and hey, take it or leave it. There's, you know, while while there are so many guys out there being like, "I'm ready for marriage," and then they like they're the one that wants the two weeks. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, it, it's it's either that or I mean, it's so much better to just know, right? You know, and I feel like everybody should like that should be stated by everybody mm-hmm. all the time. You know, yeah. it's because it's. When I broke up, so my ex-girlfriend, like my college girlfriend, Mm -hmm. when she and I broke up, the year after that, I had like zero emotional capacity. Right. You know, it's just like, I want to get drunk and fuck. Right. Like that's basically all I want to do. And then there was a couple years there where it's like, all right, well, I want to date people, but I'm not really ready to like settle down. Mm -hmm. And then when I was ready to settle down… Like, I was very clear about that. I was like, I am looking for somebody serious. Yeah. And I think, you you know, no matter where you are on that spectrum, just say where you are. Totally. Like, and and again, it comes back to like the necessity to filter mercilessly. Right. You know? And when you state that explicitly, you are going to immediately filter out so many people that are not going to work for you. Right. Well, that brings me to my next question, which is about timing. Like, Mm -hmm. You know, you said when you had gone through this breakup after college, like all you wanted to do was get drunk and fuck. If you, let's say you met someone incredible during that time, yeah, like that is just timing. It's not based on the totally, person. totally. And I did, right. <laughs> you know, it's it's I I, I definitely like there are definitely some some girls in my past that it's like yeah, if we had met like a year later. Or a year earlier, right. you know, it probably would have been completely but, different. But like, you, but you can't control that, right? And then, like, I hear, I hear that, and I'm like, like, if I, I don't know, if if I were married and like my husband were like, said that about time, I'd be so upset because I'd be like, so the other people were the same as me. It was just like no. the time. Do you know what I'm saying, though? Yeah, I, I don't get that. 
It's like, I don't like, I don't want it to be like they chose me because like when they met other people, it was something, you know what I mean? Like I want it to be because like, I'm like, but maybe that's just being a woman. Like it's not being a woman. It's, it's, it's a, there's this like, cause men do it too. Yeah. And just in different ways. Men tend to do it more about sex, but like it's, there's this like worship of love of like, oh, like it has, it's this once in a lifetime thing. And it's like, no, no, no love is common. Like right. you can fall, you are going to fall in love with many people throughout your life. For sure. And there's nothing particularly, it's, it's a universal emotion. There's nothing particularly special about it. What is special is the commitment. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I have been in love with other women in my life. And yes, there are other women that I could have had great relationships with, but what makes my relationship with my wife singularly special is my commitment to her and the commitment and what we've lived through together. Right. So that is what's special. And you can't reproduce that. You can't threaten that. So true. It's like, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, this is something she and I like, you know, she, Brazilian men are super jealous. Mm -hmm. And so she went through a period like me, like most people, she got out of a relationship a few years before she met me. All she wanted to do was get drunk and fuck. Right. And she told me once in our relationship, she's like, I could never tell a Brazilian guy that like they would just lose their shit. Right. And I was like, of course you fucked a bunch of dudes. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's, yeah. there's absolutely nothing right, wrong with course. that. You're human, you know? Yeah. So I think both sex and love get way too much. They're very overrated mm-hmm. by a lot of people. Yeah. And because um, they're both common and they're, they both have a lot of problems attached to them, mm-hmm. you know, but we, we tend to idealize them in our mind as this like perfect totally. thing that, yeah. you know, is supposed to be special and it belongs to that person. And it's like, I blame like Disney movies. Fuck probably. Disney, yeah. yeah. Fuck, that. <laughs> fuck that. So I want to ask you, we only have time for one more question. So I want to sure. ask you about your new book that's coming out. Yes. When is it coming out? Uh, May 14th. It's and, called, yeah, tell me everything is fucked. A book about hope. <laughs> it's always something else. Like, <laughs> it's the opposite of what you think. And it's basically the premise of the book is that, by pretty much every material measurement, the world is better than it's ever been right mm-hmm. now. You know, it's like we live longer, we're healthier, there are no diseases and like all this stuff. But Trump is president. Well, Trump is president. <laughs> but I mean, compare that to like what was happening 50 for years sure, ago. For or, sure. You know, it's honestly the, the world is by most standard metrics, like the best it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Yet everybody's like freaking the fuck out. Yeah. And, uh, Everybody, both on the left, on the right, rich people, poor people, white people, minorities, like everybody is just like thinking like the world's going down a toilet. Right. And so the the the, the book kind of just asks, why is that? Right. What What is it about living in the 21st century that makes the world appear to be so much like, like such a horrendous place? Yeah. And one of the things that I talk about a lot is obviously like, not just social media, but like phones and all the technology. Mm -hmm. And one of my arguments, and this relates to the dating stuff, is that one of my arguments is that essentially what our technology has done the last few decades is it's replaced quality of connection with quantity of connection. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, 
to be like emotionally healthy, mentally healthy individuals, we need quality connections in our lives. And for whatever reason, there's a lot of forces that are inhibiting that right now. Mm -hmm. So check it out. May 14th. Awesome. And so we always end with a quote that you either live by or Uh like you like when it comes to relationships, dating, it could be your own quote, but give us something good. Um, I, I love this quote. I used to, I used to say it all the time and it's funny cause it sounds really pessimistic, but I've always found it liberating. So it's, uh, comes from the author, David Foster Wallace. And he said, you will stop worrying so much what other people think about you when you realize how seldom they do. I love that. And it sounds sad, but it's honestly, it's, it gives you permission. It's not sad at all. No. No. Like some people get bummed out by it. No, They're like, nobody thinks that. about me. And I'm like, no, that's like, get out of your own head. Exactly. You know, like get out of your own head. The world doesn't revolve around you. Yes. It's like I did a poll question the other day. We do these on my Instagram and it said, would you rather understand or be understood? And yeah. it was like 79% be understood. Of course. Like understand. <laughs> understand is the answer. To yes. That. They yes. 79% people This is failed. why you're single. <laughs> Seriously. Fuckers. So where can everyone follow you and what is your website and yep. any other amazing uh, Markmanson.net. Check out some of the, the dating relationship articles there. The fuck yes or no articles there. Uh, on Instagram as Markmanson.net. And um, yeah, just check out the books. Cool. Thank you so much, Mark, for Thanks coming for here and me. being on. You're the best. Thanks. Everyone check out Mark's book that comes out May 14th. Yes, ma'am. There you go. All right. Have a good one, guys.